Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Welcome, folks, to another edition of the Bigfoot Field Guide Radio Show. I'm your host, C.W. Darkwing L.H. Lee, and my co-host is Randy Driver Operator Harrington. We're both senior field, <clears throat> both senior field researchers for Mid America Bigfoot Research Center. Tonight's show is by popular request. Uh, a lot of folks have been asking uh, for us to do a show on Skillyville, and for those of you that don't know what Skillyville is, that is my uh, primary research area that could possibly be a Bigfoot nursery. Uh, and before I go on, I, I'm going to let uh, Randy say his hellos and everything. And uh, Well, hey, everyone. I'm glad to be here, as always. Uh, my my area of expertise in Skillyville is not as extensive as DW's, but I have spent a night or two out there, uh, and I have hiked the terrain. So I'll be able to give a little bit of input on the on the area. Hey, and we also don't want to forget uh, we have a third person here, uh, kind of a, a co-chair person on the uh, on the board here, and that's the uh, sensor tech. Uh, Carl, are you you on with us? Yeah, I'm just here in case you need filler. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure that everybody's aware that you 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 might be throwing in some information every once in a while. Yeah, because uh, Carl actually got to go down there during the uh, January expedition to Skillyville and look around, too, so he, he can say he's been down there, too. It was very cold, but I'd love to go again. Okay. <laughs> well, basically, uh, let me get into the meat of things here real quick and explain uh, a little bit about Skillyville. Uh, about four and a half years ago, we started, uh, me and a few others were just kind of goofing around, and we'd heard a lot of uh, stories about Skillyville. And a lot of the stories basically were uh, old Cherokee myths and legends about this area, about ghosts, about uh, skillies, which to a lot of the Cherokee here in Oklahoma, a skilly is anything bad that's out in the woods. Well, we, we went down there, and we kept having some encounters with something that kept sneaking up on us. And we really didn't think much about it at the time. But then we run into a woman that, whose family lived down there, and she grew up. And she started telling us some of the stories about down there. 
like how before it got dark, her grandpa would come around and round up all the kids and make them go in at night. Wouldn't let them go out after dark. Several times he'd come running in the house because a skilly, which basically was a Bigfoot, would be walking across her backyard and totally freak him out. So he would come running into the house and barricade the back door, and they would ask him, Grandpa, what's wrong? He goes, I, I just seen a skilly going across the backyard there, and it stopped and turned and started heading towards the house. So based on this, we, we went down there, me and uh, No Mercy, and what we found was down by one of the uh, underground springs there, something had jumped off of a 10-foot bluff and landed with its feet about five feet apart in a big, massive butt print. And basically, there was a little tree there that it just flat bent over and picked all the leaves off of it before it got up and walked off. Now, the footprints were a good, I'd say, 14, 15 inches long, and they were pretty wide. Well, based on that, we went back down there and started looking for signs. And what we found was three different size sets of footprints. One was 17 inches. I believe one was uh, 11 inches, and then one was about 7 inches. And, of course, we started hearing vocalizations down there. So we kept going back down there, and we kept finding more and more, and then we noticed that there was these territory markers down there. So we'd go out and we'd sit and we'd listen with bionic ears and check out the area with uh, night vision. And then we managed to get a uh, vocalization recorded. And I'd like to go ahead and play that vocalization here and let everybody hear it. And this is what it sounded like. And basically what happened there was uh, one of our female members had stepped around the front of the vehicle to use the bathroom and no sooner did she get done than we heard this down in the, the gully below us and what we think had happened was this was the female down there Oh, <laughs> sorry folks I didn't mean to blow anybody's eardrums out uh but we, we think they, the female was warning our female that we were intruding on her space. So, uh, but that, that's the vocalization we heard. Now, what was really weird about this was about six months later, we were sitting there watching uh, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. And they had the... Uh, professor at the University of Texas actually going was uh, looking at some vocalizations that the BFRO had supplied him. Well, lo and behold, it was the same type of vocalizations that we had recorded down there at Skillyville. And all we could do was just sit there and look at each other. So, uh, and of course, uh, I think Randy's heard that vocalization quite a few times. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, w what we've noticed over the years is 
the, the smaller footprints have gotten larger. They've maintained the same size and outline, but uh, every year it seems that those those footprints get bigger and bigger. Now, one thing I, I've got to throw in here, uh, there are certain individuals out there that uh, tend to claim that, oh, I'm pro-kill, I'm all this bad you know, I'm out to hurt the Bigfoot and everything. But now, one thing that blows a hole in their theory there is that if I've got these young Bigfoot down in this research area, you know, I could have already shot one and brought one in, but that's not what I'm about. I'm not going to be down there trying to hurt these, these young Bigfoot. So, uh, the the thing about this place is it's a long valley, probably about I don't know how long would you say it is, Randy? Probably about three miles. Uh, just that particular valley that I was in. Uh, oh, I'd say easy. Yeah, and of course we got about 400 acres on each side of the the valley of nothing but woods. And of course the the, the main feature of this place, and uh, is basically the high voltage power line right of way that actually connects this location with two of our other research areas. And you know, of course, you can see, you can see where that comes all the way through the, the valley there too. So, uh, and of course, on one side you've you've got a big old high hill, and then on the other side you've got some bluffs that basically run back into the woods. And this is where we found the territory markers, is what we call them. These are basically like a teepee put together a big logs and we, we tried to move these and they weigh pretty a pretty good ton of weight there well hey uh, as as everybody knows you know I've I spent the night out there one night and the next day I did some hiking around in the area went way up on some of the bluffs and uh, you, the right away that you speak about Darren uh, have you had any sightings or any reported sightings of uh, the animals within those travelways, or is that just a theory of yours that you're still looking to verify uh, that it connects two areas? Could it be two two separate groups of animals in two separate areas, or do you do you really truly think that they walk they travel that power line? I think they really travel the power line because uh, where we had the January expedition towards the southeast uh, on this power line right of way. We actually spotted a Bigfoot come walking up the right-of-way, and it stopped as soon as it seen us and turned and headed off into the woods. So, you know, I, I really think that they do use this. They they seem to use it to travel back and forth between these three areas. Yeah, well, besides, I know the area that I hiked up to there... Uh, you couldn't beat the visibility. I mean, if you're look, if you want to scour over the whole area, that power right away is definitely one cleared out area that you can get a good view. Yeah, and over there where we've got the base stations at, you can actually stand uh, at the top of the hill and look both ways for about a good two miles each direction. Mm. So. Well, you know, it's not the first time that uh, you can read reports of you know hunters catching groups of them, you know, walking single file up these, you know, right-of-ways, and then 
you know, darting off into the woods when they get seen or things like that. So I think I think you're probably right. Uh, I mean, I, I just think the power lines just happen to be where they want to go, so it's an easy way to walk. But I, I think from all the reports that we've read that they're going to go where they want to go. It just happens to be that those power lines kind of works for them in that area. Well, and, and two, I think they use it as a, a means of navigation. You know, they may not walk directly on the right-of-way, but they may walk in the woods alongside it, you know, and use it to get to where they're going. Yeah. So, you know, it points them in the direction that they want. So, uh, but but the great thing about this is uh, about six months ago, we were out there sitting there listening, and we heard what we thought was a kind of a cross between a baby crying and a young chimp. So we think the female out there has probably had another youngster. So, you know, it may be a year or two before we start finding any tracks or, you know, any sign that there's another young one down there. Hmm. And, of course... Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I believe it was uh, Wolf, Ghost Wolf, I believe, uh, told me of a time that he he saw some tracks, and they were about four inches long, uh, I believe, in the Chickasaw Park area. And there were just one set of tracks sitting by the water, and there were some larger tracks coming up to the water. So he could only surmise that it was a female that had set down a an infant while it was getting a drink, and then immediately picked it back up when she left the water area, because all he found was her tracks going in, and these two little bitty four-inch tracks standing right by the water, and they, they didn't move at all. They were just two prints, and then they were gone. Nothing leading up to them, nothing leading away. So that tells you that she set it down, got a drink, and picked him back up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we we think that what they're doing down here in our area is basically the female, you know, she's raising them and teaching them how to do all this stuff. Uh, but the, the main thing that we try to shoot for is uh, we try to get the young ones to get close to us because we try to arouse our curiosity. And, of course, you know, like you said, the, the female is taking care of them, like the one that come and picked up the one down by the creek here. So, uh, and, of course, this is where we also had the, the wood knock uh, happen to us, where me and my wife had went out to shoot some background video of the area. And as we was getting ready to get in the vehicle, we heard something on the ridge above us come walking up, and it stopped. And all of a sudden, we heard a wood knock, and it just... And we was like, what the heck is that? And then down below us, in the, the valley below us, we heard... Right back. Uh, and then the one that was doing this above us, kept doing it until we actually drove off we decided we'd go up on top of the hill there and see make sure nobody was up there playing a trick on us well by the time we come back down it had stopped so what we thought might have happened was the female had come up over the ridge there and seen us sitting there and was doing this wood knock to warn the younger ones down below us Hmm. well do you have do you have any uh, working theories as to what the benefit would be to them as a group, to have a specific area just for the youngsters? Well, the the nice thing about Skillyville, 
is it's real sheltered. I mean, you can get up there along them bluffs, even in bad weather, and there's plenty of spots there to hunker down and stay out of the wind. And the the great thing about this place, too, is during the summer, it's about 5 to 10 degrees cooler down in that valley during the summer, but during the wintertime, it's about 10 degrees warmer than the surrounding area. Hmm. So, you know, that, that right there makes it a pretty good place for them to to raise it. The, the young, and also the food source there. I mean, there's a lot of deer. There's some cattle. There's a couple of chicken houses just down the road. Uh, plenty of fish in the, the little lake there. So, you know, there's yeah. there's plenty there for them to eat and a, a nice shelter for them. Well, I know uh, when you drove me into the area, I know we came in kind of a back way, and I think we went through three or four low water areas where you actually had to drive through a creek at, which is part of the roads down there. So so it, it's really really isolated and, and, and it's way back in the woods. So it, there's very good chance that uh, they're going to stay there a while. Yeah. Well, I've got a question here from 8Bait. He uh, asked, do I have an estimate on how many individuals you may have in the area? And I've got to be honest, they they rotate so much. But we figure we have, like I said, the female and two juveniles with possibly a even a baby down there. And at times we have other Bigfoot come down through there. Uh, we we seen the white white grayish Bigfoot here about eight eight or nine months ago with uh, night vision, and then about three months ago. He actually stepped out on the road when me and No Mercy was actually playing the crying baby CD, and that's when that's when No Mercy said no more playing the crying <laughs> baby CD out in the woods. Hey, you know, I can relate to that because I played it for the first time on this last expedition down at Bullet's place, and I was sitting in my trailer and I put it in, put the CD in the radio, and started playing it, and it is really uh, an uncanny feeling to hear that cry, especially when it starts getting loud. Yeah. yeah, when it's dark and, you know, it's really, it gets unnerving pretty quick. I can imagine uh, an animal, you know, uh, an animal with mother instincts or something coming up there with bad intentions. Yeah, we, uh, when we started playing it, you could hear something come crashing down the the uh, hillside towards us. And we were sitting there, and I seen it step out, and I nudged No Mercy. I said, you know, look, Jr. it just stepped out on the road. And sure enough, it stepped out probably about 50 feet from us. It was, we had a pretty good moon out, but it still was far enough away that, you know, we couldn't get no good picture of it. But it was curious as to who the heck was crying down there. But overall, I, I think... Uh, they're part of a, a bigger clan because at one of the other research areas, the, the locals there claim that they have about 12 to 15 Bigfoot in the area. And if this female and the, the youngsters are actually part of the the same clan, then you're looking at probably 15 to 20 Bigfoot in this area. So... 
And, of course, you know, uh, Autumn Williams, she even theorized about uh, Bigfoot having areas where they go to uh, raise their young and meat and stuff like that. So this kind of fits in with one of the theories that she's been working on. So I'm going to unmute a couple of these folks here. Uh, we got Radmo Hunter. And then, of course, we got, and I hope I can say this, oh, Premium Boy. So I'm going to unmute them and get them on the show here. Well, Premium Boy just dropped out. Well, I think, oh, yeah. So, but, uh, Radmo, are you there? Didn't Premium Boy join up uh, under his name? Uh, This is Radmo up here. Okay. Kind of under the weather. I've been having this bronchitis. Been out in the woods too much. <laughs> okay. Mm. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're talking about Skillyville. It's a it's an area down here in uh, Oklahoma where we've got quite a bit of activity. And we we're talking about the power lines, those power cuts. Yeah. The impossible uh, maneuvering point, or or you know, like a highway for them. Well, that's exactly where the sounds that I've had on my property have been coming from is down the power line. It's about a half mile. Are you serious? No, sir. I'm not. I'm not kidding you. First uh, time I ever heard the sounds was down on the power cut. It's about a half mile long power cut from one end of my property to the other end, and uh, that was the first place I ever heard any sounds coming from, and it just kind of traversed up that power cut. Uh, I was kind of kind of interested when he said that. Uh, incidentally, uh, you know, to our listeners out there, uh, Rex here had something happen just not too long ago where something pitched something at his cabin hard enough to leave a gouge in the side. Yeah, it was last last uh, Friday morning, I had gone down on Thursday because we were going to have a big snow and I wanted to do some tracking for turkey season and some predator hunting and uh, didn't get any snow, but I'm laying in bed about 3.05 in the morning on a Friday morning and we had, uh, I'm laying there by myself had this big old huge something or other hit the side of the house. But uh, it took about a two and a half inch gouge out of one one of the grooves on the siding on the on the cabin. We never did find what hit the cabin, never did find any footprints, nothing. I searched the woods for about oh five or ten minutes, uh, with a powerful uh million candle power spotlight trying to find something out there and absolutely nothing. And the next morning I got up there and walked all the way around. 50, 60 feet around that cabin looking for footprints, and there was absolutely nothing. Couldn't find wow. a rock, couldn't find a branch, nothing. What an exciting place. Uh, it's about 13 different experiences I've had down there. Yeah, one hmm. of these days we're going to see if we can get down there with some cameras and set up for you. <laughs> hey, I've got 16 game cameras out. Don't worry about that. It's covered. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I have yet to get anything they're just too skittish with the cameras. They know they're there. I think our yeah. odor, our odor stays on them. Plus, they can also hear that uh, that camera trigger when it goes off. Yeah. So uh, I see Great Pumpkin on here as uh, said Skillyville is an eerie looking area. He's he's one of them that he uh, he actually come down to check a game camera he had at Hanobi. And I actually come back through where I live at, and I took him down there to show him the the area too. He 
he got to see it along with Grizzly Adams and, of course, Sensor Tech and uh, Nugget and GS Mom. So uh, let me just throw this out there. If any of the MABRC researchers and analysts, you ever get down my way and you want to go out there and check it out, all you got to do is just give me a call and we'll take you out there and let you see it. So, I mean, I, I have no problem taking fellow researchers out there and showing them the area. So, but, and of course... Well, how, hey, 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 Darren, how big of an area, even though you talked about that valley that we were in, that Skillyville, you know, your church area, you know, how big it is, but how big of an area in total is around that area, the mountains, and, and you know, how many acres do you think? Oh, shoot. Acre-wise, uh, I'd say there's probably close to 1,000, 1,500 acres in that area there. Is it generally wooded? I mean, even though it may be sparsely uh, agricultural, but is it mainly wooded, like all the way down to Tenkiller Lake and, you know, all the way up to Grand Lake, I mean, places like that? Oh, yeah. There, there's a few areas where, you know, there might be, 20 acres of uh, farmland, you know, but basically it's all pretty well wooded all the way to Lake Tenkiller, all the way over to, uh, actually all the way over into Arkansas. Awesome. So, uh, and of course, uh, I mean, the, the whole area, one of these days we're going to get ambitious, uh, ambitious and actually walk over that hill, that big old mountain that's on the north side, uh-huh. because on the other side of it is another lake. It's about a three-acre lake. It's a pretty good-sized lake. So well, if you walk too if you walk too far north, you'll end up right there at Radmo Hunter's place. <laughs> uh, all I know, all I know is that I've got uh, landlocked by national forests on, on all four sides. And there's about 58,000 acres of, of uh, national forest around me, so I got one road going in. <laughs> so, oh, and uh, Grizzly Adams brought up the the one thing that I fear down there the most is the rattlesnakes. <laughs> this uh, this area has got one of the largest rattlesnake dens in the area, and of course. Uh, Last summer, me and uh, Cherokee Rose, my wife, was driving down through there, and we actually seen a rattlesnake that was about four feet long, but it was about as wide as a uh, fence post. It was that big. So, yeah, the the rattlesnakes down there during the summertime, we we don't go too far into the woods because. The rattlesnakes are everywhere, and of course, last last year in December, when we had all that warm weather, we actually had in the paper a guy that had caught a about a seven foot diamondback rattlesnake down there in that same area, and they were bragging about how he caught it just for fun and then turned it around and let it go again. And I was like, dang, David, if I ever run into that guy, I'm gonna punch him out. <laughs> so. Well, I can tell all the other researchers listening that one of the best pieces of equipment you can buy for summertime research is some knee-high uh, 
snake bite resistant boots. And I've got a pair. It'll it'll make you a lot more comfortable traipsing through the thick stuff. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with everybody. You know, running face to face into a Bigfoot, that ain't nothing. I can handle that. But popping right up on a rattlesnake or another snake and it pops up right in front of me, y'all better watch out because Olympic runners ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> uh, don't don't kid yourself. It'll be more like I better be up to snub on my uh, CPR skills. <laughs> <laughs> Heart attack city. So, it's, I mean, this place down here is, is really great. The... The young ones, we've actually had them come up within just a, a few feet of us, you know, crawling up through the, the brush to get close to us. We leave food out for them all the time. And, you know, a lot of folks talk about habituation. Uh, we've kind of experienced that on a kind of a level here. They, uh, the creatures here at Skillyville will come out and be more open around our blazer that we have because we've been going down there so much with it. They've actually gotten to where they know they're safe being able to come up close to that blazer because we haven't done anything to to, to hurt them. Matter of fact, uh, it was last year we were sitting there and uh, we had our listening devices out it was just me and Cherokee Rose, and we had Goose, our youngest Bigfoot hunter. He was passed out in the back of the blazer. But as we were sitting there, one of the younger Bigfoot stepped right out in the open, not more than 60 feet from us. And I nudged my wife, and I said, you know, look, right there. And she looked up, and she goes, man, it's a little one. Well, as we was watching it, we noticed that about... 15, 20 feet over from it behind some underbrush there were two big ones standing there kind of weaving back and forth kind of rocking on their feet a little bit and the impression we got was they were testing to see what we'd do you know was we going to jump out of the vehicle and chase after the little one you know was we going to try to shoot at it or whatever I mean we just kind of got the impression they was trying to figure out what we were doing and uh after we sat there and watched it for about five minutes, it just slowly melted off into the woods. So, I mean, that that was quite an experience to to see the little one standing there like that. Mm. Wow. Matter of fact, it was it was right there by the uh, the first territory marker. I think that was the one that you set set up by that one night, Randy. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So. Now, the the thing about these territory markers, and I'm going to throw this in there because this is really a important thing to note. Whenever we go near these territory markers, about 60% of the time, all hell will break loose. Uh, and when I say that, I mean the creatures will be on the other side of the little valley there from the territory marker. They'll start shaking trees, breaking limbs, you know, they'll throw rocks at us and even do vocalizations. Uh, one night we went down there, I was had uh, three people with me, and we got down there and we were setting up some bait at night, and all of a sudden, I mean, trees started shaking, the limbs started breaking, 
couple of rocks flew at us. I mean, it, it was really unnerving. And I, I turned around, and I realized I was the only one standing there. Everybody else took off. <laughs> 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 uh, but, I mean, I can't really blame them because it, it was really unnerving. That I'd say there's probably 100 feet from us, and there were several of them just going to town on these trees, shaking them, and you, you could hear them huff and, you know, just... They they were really upset that we were that close to the the territory marker, and I don't really think it was because we was near the territory marker. It was because we were close to them. But well, I, hey, uh, Darren, I got a question for you. Okay. Uh, I've heard uh, another researcher, as a matter of fact, I heard him on a radio show talking about that kind of behavior is is enough to warrant as harassment to these animals. He. He he thinks that running out of your tent or shining a spotlight or trying to go after them, things like that, in his view, uh, is is harassment. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, basically, in my opinion, you're out there trying to get them to do something. I mean, you're you're trying to learn from what they're doing out there and their their behavior. Now, if you just sit there and wait for them to get close to you, you're not going to experience anything. I mean, they can get right up close to you and not not never do anything except for just watch you. Uh, yeah, we, we're well known for, for basically provoking these creatures. You know, we, we go in, get in their face. Uh, I mean, people as far from California... Uh, Washington, Maine, they all know that we're, you know, we, we get right in the face of the Bigfoot. But we do that to elicit a response, try to get them to come out in the open so we can get a picture or get video of them. You know, that is the only way we're going to be able to get these responses from is to get in their face and try to make something happen. You know, uh, I... Down at the Chickasaw Park, I had something similar where, where one night I ran out of the tent three or four times trying to catch whatever kept sneaking up and throwing rocks in my tent. And, you know, and I really didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to see it. And that, that's, the, that's the reason I kept running into the woods. But uh, I had a researcher tell me later that he was familiar with a, an adolescent Bigfoot in the area that seems to have kind of staked claim on the park. And he, he almost thinks that the the animal is kind of mischievous. And he says that he bet that animal was enjoying that because it kept coming back. Uh, every time I'd run out, it was gone. But then it would come back and throw rocks again. And, and he said he could just imagine that thing really getting a kick out of me trying to run out and catch him. Uh, so, you know, it, it's one, one man's idea of what harassment is and another man's idea. You know, if those animals aren't leaving the area, then I can't for certain say they're being harassed. Uh, they don't know what they're taking our behavior as. We might we might look like a popsicle on a stick to them, and they just can't wait for us to get closer. I mean, who knows? Yeah, well, and, you know, it goes back to they're just as curious about us as we are curious about them. And it's always been my experience, even getting in their face, they still come back. The only thing you don't ever do is shine a real big light in their general direction. But even then... Yeah. I found out they still come back. You know, and that might not be just because the light scares them. 
it may be physically painful for them. If they are fully nocturnal vision, you know, and their, their pupils are as big as their eyeballs because they're looking into the dark, then when you shine a bright light at them, I mean, it might be painful. So, so that may, may be the kind of stimuli that makes the light uh, such a, a tool that makes them leave and not come back, just at least for that one moment. Well, but, uh, you know, it's just like a human. You're standing out there and somebody hits you with a million candle power spotlight. It's going to be painful to you, too. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, but, yeah. Nice they, uh, but no, as far as going into the woods after them, you know, my my whole goal is to elicit a response from the Bigfoot. If it steps out in front of me, I've got a camcorder or a camera with me. I've got the picture or the video that I need. Yeah, and you know, and all the reports that we've read, I mean, there, there's been people that have bumped into these animals, and, and even in close proximity where they bump into one doesn't seem to torment these animals to the point where they're being harassed. I think going into the woods, into an area that you think they're at, and, and going as close as you can, I think it's just based on how much guts you have. I mean, if you if you are comfortable enough doing it and you're not afraid, well, then do it. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to hear what the response is. I mean, if you get your head tore off, yeah, well, then we'll learn. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just hoping. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hoping somebody else is the one that has that reaction and not me. Well, it's like I tell Bobby, my wife. You know, if I see a Bigfoot go across the road, and I jump out with the camcorder and chase after it, as long as she finds the camcorder, that's all I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be worth some money. Uh. I'm going to cut over here to the chat room real quick. i, I seen where 8-Bait said he'll send me a 6- or 7-foot rattler next time he comes across one. 8-Bait, if you do, I'll come to, <laughs> I'm coming to Georgia after you. So, But uh, it, it looks like a lot of folks are having problems with uh, TalkShoe. So if, uh, if anybody over on the MABRC chat room has got any questions, you know, just... Throw your questions up over there, folks. We'll we'll get them for you. So, uh, but now talking about the individual you was talking about, Randy, uh, we did invite him down to go to Skillyville, and he brought a uh, thermal imager system, and it was really great to get to see that in action, because what we did was. He uh, he brought some pheromone chips, and we put one of these pheromone chips on the dam of the little lake there and set up his thermal imager to sit there and watch where the chip was, see if anything come up against it or come up to it. And, uh, I mean, I, I really would like to say that, you know, I appreciate him bringing that equipment up and letting me see it in action because it really makes me see that it is a valuable piece of equipment that, uh, if, if we had stuff like that out in the field, I'm sure we could bring in some pretty good uh, information and pictures. So, but yeah, it, it's uh, I mean th this area, it's really just what you would really want in the area. The the road goes right up through the middle of it. Uh, it's one of the few locations in the United States that's got spirit houses at one of the cemeteries. And I, I want to bring that up because the spirit houses themselves are really something to behold. 
and you can actually go on to the uh, form. I think I've got, if I don't have it on there, I'll, I'll get it on there. We've got video where we went and recorded these uh, spirit houses, and what they are is they're little houses built over the graves of Creek Cherokee Indians, and they are to prevent bad people from getting to the graves and digging them up, and they protect the grave. They're also a place for little people. I know people cringe when somebody says little people, but uh, it, it's also a place for them to live. And once the spirit house actually goes and breaks down and starts decaying and everything, that supposedly is a sign that the spirit of the person that is buried there has moved on up to the next level. Uh, I'll make sure I get that video put under the movie theater on the forum for everybody. It's basically a little documentary we've done about spirit houses. Really interesting to see. Uh, I think you got to see them, didn't you, Randy? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that video. Really, really neat things to look at. So, uh, it, it's really, really fascinating down there. Uh, a lot of the local legends, most of your local Cherokees in that area, they won't go down there after dark. Uh, the few that do drive through there at night are usually pretty well wasted. <laughs> That's why they're driving through there at night. So, uh, matter of fact, I, I think what I really need to do is start a thread on the forum and just put a lot of that information in there and a lot of the pictures so people can see Skillyville. So, and of course, I think we we need to probably throw out the uh, the forum and the website address real quick. If you guys want to come and visit us on the forum or the website, uh, our address is www.mid-americabigfoot.com and that takes you to our portal page and you can either go to our website, our training facility, or the forum. And when you get to the forum, if you join up, you will actually get uh, to be able to see our chat room. You'll get to see pictures that are not available to just guests coming to the forum. There's a lot of advantages to being members on the forum. So, uh, and of course, uh, we got a host of questions here. Well, you know, as you're talking about the forum, one of the most interesting things that you can do is there's so many researchers there that are doing their own research, and they and they and they post that on their own research threads. So you can actually stay up to date you know, at 10, 20 different places around the United States and even in Canada about people's research and what's going on and their latest findings. And don't forget about Australia. Yeah, yep, Australia too. We we got Yowie down there in Australia, and, uh, I mean, some of this, I've been actually posting a lot of the Yowie reports onto the forum, and what I've been reading, it just really blows the mind. So... uh Let's uh, hit some of these questions here real quick. Uh, from Great Pumpkin, ask about the slaughterhouse. Uh, we actually got a slaughterhouse that's roughly about three miles away. And it was this slaughterhouse 
that actually had the encounter with a white Bigfoot back in the early 90s. And we suspect that this is the same white Bigfoot that we've been spotting in the area. Uh, back in December, there was November and December of last year, there was three sightings just boom, 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 and that was near the lake that's near Skillyville. And of course, we've seen the, the white slash gray Bigfoot down there at Skillyville twice. So there's a good chance that this is the same Bigfoot that's been operating in the area for about 10 to 15 years now. Uh, then we got uh, Washkukum. She asked, uh, how do the Native Americans feel about the investigation of Skillyville? I actually have people pull up there at night while we're out there and will sit there and talk to us. And eventually, you know, they, they open up and say, yeah, you know, we've seen this or we've seen that down here. And, of course, the family that used to live down there, they, they filled us in on all these details. And to me, every time that they told us the story, it all corresponded with what another member of the family told us. So they're all saying the same thing. So they're, they're backing each other up. Uh, jumping over here, uh, Washkukum also asked, uh, the, the white Bigfoot, is it being actively investigated at this time? Yes, we're, uh, we've actually went out to the area. Uh, we're planning on going out there and sitting this weekend and throw out some bait and really see what we can get going on out there. We're actually going to use our, uh, take one of the laptops with one of the night cameras and set it up and maybe even use our motion sensors. We uh, also have another question here from driver operator. Well, that's you, Randy. <laughs> have other people had encounters in Skillyville that are not Bigfoot researchers? Yeah, and of course this family that I'm talking about, uh, they, they actually had encounters with the Bigfoot for about, oh, I think they said about 25 years before they finally moved away from the area. And, of course, here recently, there was uh, some kids went down to the, the cemetery there where the spirit houses are, and they claimed that they seen something that resembled a woman come crawling on all fours out of the cemetery. And the way they talked about it and the way they described it, it actually made me think that what they seen was the female Bigfoot come up towards them. But, of course, they were thinking ghosts. Yeah, they were thinking ghosts because it was coming out of the cemetery, you know. Uh, one of the kids actually hyperventilated so bad that they had to take him to the hospital. And, of course, the, the news got relayed to us that this is what happened, so we went out there and checked it out. And, of course, like like basically always happens in uh, Bigfoot research, you know, you get out there and they've already moved on, or they're not there at the time. So, but we so we can make we can make our research trader look like one of them spirit houses and park it in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Well, now now going back, uh, we did as we was driving by that cemetery one night, we seen some red eye shine about 45 feet up into a tree, one of the big trees down there. 
Mm-hmm. So we stopped, and we got out, and we had the flashlight, and we were shining at it to eye shine. And, of course, it was far enough away that you couldn't tell exactly what it was. But we moved the light off for just a second, and when we turned it back over there, whatever it was had dropped from that height all the way down to the ground and then stood up behind the tree and kept peeking around looking at us. So, you know, was it a Bigfoot? I, I couldn't tell you. Was it a bear? I couldn't tell you. But, you know, it was the fact that it dropped that fast. I mean, it was just half a second when we moved the flashlight, and it was on the ground looking at us. So... And, of course, where it stood up at, where the eye shine was, we went out there the next day, and, of course, the weeds were about four feet tall, and this thing was about three feet taller than that. So it was a good seven feet tall. So is that cemetery uh, in the middle of Skillyville or on the edge of Skillyville? It's actually on the uh, western end of the, the valley there. What do you think uh, the reasons are? You know, there are so many reports... Of, of cemetery sightings. Uh, what do you think the reasons would be for? I'm going to throw mine out there, and I think there's, and, and I'm going with what happens here in my town. There are so many deer that come into people's yards and eat, the, eat their plants like flowers and things. Uh, so I would think that maybe cemeteries have to be flowers and, and plants and stuff that are not found in the deep woods that maybe the deer come in there to browse around and maybe the Bigfoots are kind of hanging out there expecting deer to show up. What do you think? Well, I think you're probably right because uh, during deer season around here, if you want to see deer during deer season, you go to a cemetery because they're all hunkered down in that cemetery. Uh, one of the cemeteries that we go out every now and then and sit at because we hear the, the screaming monkeys all the time out there by it, you pull up, and you shine your lights out there in the middle of that cemetery, and there is a herd of deer that goes running through there nonstop. So I, I think the Bigfoot are just following the food sources. Because, I mean, shoot, they can hunker down behind a pretty good-sized headstone, and the deer would never know they were there until it was too late. Hmm. So, and, and that goes back to at the southeast end of the... Uh, right of way there basically where we had the uh, January expedition we actually seen three Bigfoot standing behind the cemetery down in that area and what what had happened was and this is one of our little tactics that we use we basically go into the cemetery and we start taking pictures you know basically I know people might frown on this but we basically go in there and ghost time you know just taking pictures around see what we can get but we've learned that by doing this, any Bigfoot in the area will go and uh, get curious as what the hell are they in there doing, you know, taking, they see all these light flashes. Within 30 to 40 minutes, they're right there, you know, making vocalizations, you know, you'll hear them break sticks and, you know, they're in the area. So we use that as a way to lure them in. Well, the night we seen these three big ones, we had just come out, and we had shut the gate, and just as soon as we shut the gate, we heard this big whoop, and I was like, what the heck, and one of the other members were standing there, so we took the mag light and was shining it in the cemetery to see 
hopefully that we didn't knock over a headstone or anything. And all of a sudden she said, look back to the back. We shined a light back there and there stood about a seven foot Bigfoot that was blonde haired with a tan face. So we got everybody over there to, to see that, you know, it's standing right there looking at us. Then somebody noticed that there was two more standing right next to it. One that was just a little bit shorter and then one that was shorter. And they all were kind of a tannish color. So, you know, we stood there and watched them for a good three or four minutes before they finally turned around and walked off. And, of course, we went back out a couple of days later because, you know, there's some things that prevented us from getting back out there the next day. But right where they stood, it was about seven feet tall is how big the biggest one was. Wow. So, you know, there, there's ways of getting their curiosity aroused. So, but yeah, this, this area is really nice to be in. The, the people, they, they, if they wonder what the heck you're doing out there, they'll come up and say, hey, well, you know, anything wrong, and you start telling them. And that was basically the first time I've ever had a run-in with a, uh, a game warden, too, was down at Skillyville. we just come out of the area, and we all of a sudden all these lights were flashing. He pulled us over, and he goes, uh, what y'all doing down there? I thought I seen a red light. And what he had seen was, I think, was our infrared light. So as we was up there, I, I was like, you're not going to believe me when I tell you. He goes, I'll tell me. I, I've heard a lot of things. I said, well, we was, uh, we was up there Bigfoot researching. He was like, say what? We were Bigfoot hunting. He was like, now I've heard everything. And all he could do was just keep asking me, you got any guns in there? You got any guns in there? He's like, no, I, I just got my bionic ear here. <laughs> but that was the first time, I, or that's the only time I've actually had a run-in with a game warden was down there at Skillyville. Huh. Well, how far away is Skillyville from where you live, and how often do you go down there? It's uh, roughly about 10 miles from where I live. Uh, we can get down there in about 15 minutes. And we usually go out there at least once a, once a weekend. Uh, we haven't been down there here lately because the weather's been bad. But still, we, we go down there enough that the Bigfoot are accustomed to the, the vehicles when they see them. And, of course, we do try to rotate a lot to the different areas. That way we don't burn them out on what we're doing down there. Well, that way you're not the ones that's predictable. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's it's really uh, a great place to go down and check out. And I know I know it gets you that <laughs> I've got a place to go out to like that all the time. Well, hey, I might have a close area. Uh, Clinker joined the, joined our forum, and he's a. Uh, He's about 10 minutes from my house, and he's got some activity on his property, so you never know. We might set up some cameras out there and have some decent activity. Yeah, you never know. So uh, I'm going to take a few minutes to to say hi to everybody on the, the forums here. 
or on the chat rooms. Of course, we got Sensor Tech, got Radmo Hunter, uh, we got Wash Gookum, who one of these days we're going to get on the show. PD Weistro, Squatch Inc., 8 Bait, Guest 8, Great Pumpkin, Creek Freak, Premium Boy, Grizzly Adams, Squatch Seeker, Sooner 76, Whammy 9, Red Rat Snake, Guests 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and listening to us and being in the chat room. And over on the MABRC chat room, we got Bayou Dan, Clinker, Squatch Seeker, Squatch Inc., Wash Skookum, 8-Bait, Death Jest, and I hope I can say this right, Osiris Diamond, uh, got Soonerborn over here, Squatch Finder, Squatch Zeppelin. Uh, thanks for listening to the show tonight, y'all. Uh, it's been... Uh, We've been talking about Skillyville, and once again, I, you know, to let everybody know, if you guys ever want to come up and check it out, you're more than welcome to to come up, and I'll show you the area. So, uh, Randy, you got anything else? Uh, wait, I'm trying to type. You know, I can't type and talk at the same time. Here, uh, this is medical. Yeah. Still want me on? Do you still want me to talk on the 27th? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I need to get need to call you. <laughs> just, <laughs> just been so busy, so. Yeah, you guys got to realize I have never seen a bigfoot. Okay. I've got well, property. I've got all those things happening, but I've never seen a bigfoot. Just as a precaution. Okay. Well, you know, you you've had quite a few experiences, so I, I think it would be good to 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 get you on there and. You know, let you talk about some of the stuff that you have seen. You know, as far as stuff getting laid across your your trackway there, and yeah, so, all the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, is this an hour show? Yeah, I was trying to check all the the chat rooms. Uh, Next week, we're going to have uh, Sasquatch Found and Electric Bigfoot come on and talk about some of the things that they've got going on with the uh, the Kentucky incident. They're actually supposed to be traveling out there this weekend to do some on-the-spot research. And we, we wish them a lot of luck and hope that they're safe on their trip. And then, of course, on the 27th, we got Radmo Hunter here. He's going to be on and talk about some of the things going on at his place. And then we're going to have Electric Bigfoot come back on on April 3rd. And what he's going to do is he's going to actually be talking about some of the research that he's done down at Monster Central. So I think a lot of people will be interested in listening to that. Uh, He's got some great pictures, some great video down there. Uh, You know, we're always always, uh, excited to hear about other, other areas. And then uh, April the 10th, we're going to have the MABRC April Expedition Recap. What we're going to be doing there is uh, 8-Bait and NW Georgia Bigfoot Hunter are actually going to take a bunch of our uh, MABRC researchers and some of the folks from the forum out to an area in Georgia, and it's a pretty good hot spot. I don't want to ruin it for their, 
third recap. So, but that's what we got in store for the the next four shows. And then probably what we're going to do is we're going to take the show and turn it into like a every two week show. And hopefully we'll. Uh, oh yeah, and we have. Uh, thank you, uh, Wash Guggen, for reminding me. We've got uh, Yowie scheduled. I think we're going to try to get him on on the twenty April twenty fourth or April seventeenth. We just got to work out details because he's he's at least a day ahead of us and. Usually his day is our night, so we got to work out some details on that. <laughs> wow! And of course, Yowie is supposed to be coming over for the Hanobi Bigfoot Fest or conference in October. So you know, if you guys get a chance, the MABRC is actually hosting the the conference this year. Uh, Yowie's coming all the way from Australia to talk about the Yowies down down under. So it's going to be a great presentation. Uh, if you can get there, it's really going to be a great time. Yeah, and Rex, it sure is nice to talk to you. I mean, all the times that we've uh, sent emails back and forth, it's, it's just nice to get that personal touch with you going now. So thanks for calling in. No problem. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll get you on the show here on the 27th and. I'm sure that we can have a uh, a pretty good talk. So I hope so. I haven't talked much today because I'm fighting bronchitis. So okay. Well, we was glad to have you on. And uh, Wash Gukum throws something in here that perhaps we can do a live interview of Yowie at Hanobi. And if we can find a way to actually do it, I would like to record a lot of the presentations like we did last year, but even maybe do a live show while we're at Hanobi. How's that sound, Randy? Well, that'd be cool. So if if we can't do a live show, we can at least record a show and upload it to the talk show so everybody can download it. So. Oh, yeah, that'd be sweet. Well, folks, uh, we're going to call it a wrap. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to put together a thread over on the forum throw some pictures up and uh, talk some more about things. Uh, if you guys have any questions about Skillyville, don't hesitate to, to send them to me. Uh, I'm always, as everybody knows on the forum, I'm always there to, to talk and chat with everybody. Uh, so that's it for our show. We'll see you all next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky! 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.